Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Atari Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Can I ask you real quickly, uh, there's reports about Trent Baalke being the next GM. Is anyone confirming that uh, from the Jags yet? I, I'm not sure. I'm I, uh, not sure exactly what is being confirmed. It's not really my place uh, to say uh, on those things with the Jaguars. Primarily what I focus on for the Jaguars is statistics. That is Tony Khan earlier today on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Uh, certainly involved in the organization, but uh, deflecting that answer to really his dad, who is in charge of making those kind of decisions. Shad Khan, of course, a Jaguars owner, and uh, basically said he's not a part of that kind of decision-making. Says he has been a part of the coaching hires in the past, uh, and uh, we'll see if he has a seat at the table for that. We'll see if Trent Baalke has a seat at the table for that as well. That's the report from Ian Rappaport last night, and that's what set this Jags fan base on fire over the last 24 hours. Uh, certainly got him creative on social media. That is for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, by the way, I, I think I've said this uh, already in the show, and, and it's 5 o'clock here, football at 5, and so if you just uh, tune in, we'll talk a little bit more about Trent Baalke coming up, and I've got a lot of reasons why I think this is a bad, bad move. Like, I, I can't be stronger on it. I think it's a big mistake by the Jacksonville Jaguars to give Trent Baalke the reins of this organization if that's what they choose. I also think that it, it might not be a done deal. Like, I still I might be in denial, but I don't think he's going to be the guy in 2022. Now, whether they do an about-face here and, and, and say, ah, we're not going to do this, uh, which, by the way, could be a possibility because I know they hear the noise. Like, the Jags organization hears the noise. Uh, they, they are not blind to that or deaf to that. They, they certainly have heard it. And is that enough? We'll see. But uh, they know this is not a popular move if, the move if that's the move they're going to make. So whether it was an intended trial balloon or not, it certainly could work that way. And we'll see. And, and listen, I'm not sure they care about the local media and what they say. And obviously, if you followed all of us and people that talk Jags all the time, I think most of us, uh, I haven't, you know, looked at everybody's tweets and everything else. But uh, I think most of us don't advocate this move at all. Uh, I've been super strong over the last 24 hours and even in the weeks leading up against a move like this. But I think what Shad Khan and the Jags sometimes do pay attention to is the national media. Uh, and, and how they feel, and there have been several people that said this could hinder uh, the hiring of the next head coach, and, and I believe that. I've heard the same. I said that last night when this came about, and I think that's the most important thing here is that you are trying to get the best head coach in for this football team, and if you have now got to say, well, uh, yeah, I'm not going to take it if that guy's the GM, well, you're doing yourself a disservice, the franchise, franchise a disservice, the locker room a disservice, the fans a disservice, and everybody involved with the organization a disservice. So I, I, I'm just not convinced Trent Baalke's going to be the guy. I think it's important to say I don't know Trent Baalke very well. Maybe if I did, I would defend him a little bit more. I don't know. I just don't think it's a good move. And it has less to do about Baalke than it does about the philosophical move here. Hit the restart button. Fresh start, flush it, clean house, whatever phrase you want. This thing has been dysfunctional. It hasn't worked. 
It's three wins over two years. It's like 23 draft picks, and outside of the no-brainer of Trevor Lawrence, we're still guessing on, uh, are these guys going to be good? The acquisitions haven't been good enough to say, oh, this guy's really doing a great job. Nobody in the building is doing a good enough job on the football side. Nobody. They've had three wins in two years. So how have you earned this job if you're Trent Baalke? It makes no sense, and now you're going to try to piece together puzzle pieces that, that might not fit and just pray that it works. It's not the way to go about this. It's a bad move. It's a bad philosophical way to do it, and it won't work. We've seen it. It doesn't work. They kept Doug Marone. They tried to piece him with Caldwell. They tried to piece him with Coughlin. Sooner or later, boom, 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 doesn't work. Meyer, Bulky, they weren't together on this. They were kind of like, okay, sure, yeah, Bulky will be a puppet here. Meyer's going to call the shots. He's not going to be a GM anywhere else. Okay. Well, it works out well for Bulky. I mean, he might still be the GM in Jacksonville. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a smart move on his part. But – that's what this is. This is like positioning. This isn't, this isn't a planned way to get the Jags better. And, and, and my last thing about the bulky thing, and, and again, we, we did this a lot in the 3 o'clock hour, uh, done a lot on social media. You know what? If Brent Martineau couldn't be a radio host anywhere else in the country, Brent Martineau probably shouldn't be a radio host. Okay. Okay? Yep. Following. Well, if Trent Bulky can't be a GM... Anywhere else in the NFL, then Trent Baalke shouldn't be the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars. That that like, is a fair comparison. That simplistic approach right there, to me, maybe trumps everything. We did that with Coughlin. Potentially, you could argue it happened with Caldwell in the later years, and it happened with Marone. These guys would not have been in the positions they were in in 31 other teams except in Jacksonville. And we're going to go do that again? We're going to make that mistake again in Jacksonville where Trent Baalke is not the GM of any of the other 31 organizations except for the one in Jacksonville. I mean, you can't do it. It makes no sense. It, it, it defies logic. It's bad. It's a bad move. So I guess I was going to wait till a little bit later on the Baalke stuff. I just did it right there. You did it. And now let's get strong, to the Strong, hearty take, by the way. Well done. And I th- personally, I think you'd be a radio host anywhere. Don't sell yourself short. Uh, but I understand the comparison. <laughs> uh, well, I would hope I would be one somewhere. <laughs> you, know? Well, you know, somewhere. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the thing. I've got a broader market than 31 other franchises like Balky has. Yeah, there and, you go. And again, I think it's important to note that I've talked to people these last few days that say, listen, Balky's not a, this bad guy that everybody's saying. Now, he, there might be some people who don't like him, don't love him. They don't, he's not like this. He's not going to couch up to you and be like this super nice guy and all this stuff. He's also a pretty good personnel guy. But I've had people tell me that personnel-wise and being a GM are two different things. Right. Like, and they, it is. It's like being a coordinator and being a head coach, two different things. You handle a lot of different stuff. Just because you're a good coordinator does not make you a good head coach. Just because you're a decent personnel guy and pretty good at that job doesn't make you a great GM. It's a different animal. And you can be a good person and not do your job well. Like, I know you keep saying that, and that's fair. Like, I know we might not be being, like, you said if you knew him better, maybe you wouldn't be hammering him. But at the end of the day, like, you can, he still can be a great person. But at the end of the day, as well, the job just isn't, his performance at the job just isn't relating to what it needs to be, good person or not. Antonio Brown, look what he's doing. Probably not a good person, but he's good at his job. 
Yeah, and and again, like I, the reason I say that is because I think there are a lot of people just hammering bulky right now. And I, I, I tweeted this today. I was like, I'm a little uncomfortable doing that with a guy like I don't really know that well. Like it sounds like we're bashing the individual, and really we're bashing the concept. Like that's what yeah. it's. You know, you can name your guy. I don't care if it was Trent Bulky or whatever. Name your guy if he was in a similar situation where he's now seen a head coach, a GM, and another head coach get fired. He's been a part of three wins in two years, and he's been a part of 23 draft picks and spend no money, and it's been really just okay at the very the best. It's been okay. Get him out of here. Yeah. Like, I don't care what your name is. And so that's the whole point of the story from my part. Uh, now, the hiring process. They've inter- they've requested 10 guys. Give us the names again. Requested interviews with 10 people. I think it's too many. Why this many people when you have Peterson and Caldwell sitting there and you could just grab those guys who have done it before, have had good track records, who could stabilize the organization? I don't understand why the Jazz are now reaching out to 10 different people to interview and muddy up this process. We all know decision-making is hard. Decisions are hard in life. Well, guess what? If you bring 10 different decisions into the mix, it makes it even harder. Give us the list. So, obviously, as you mentioned, Jim Caldwell, Doug Peterson, Daryl Bevel, also in-house. You may have heard of him. Uh, Kellen Moore, Byron Lefwich, Leslie Frazier, Todd Bowles, Dan Quinn, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, and then my guy, Eber Flus. I really like his name. Think he should get an opportunity. <laughs> He's done a very good job. By they, the way, they they do have a pretty disgusting defense and disgusting in a good term. I know that didn't really start well when I said yeah. disgusting. You probably <laughs> thought it was bad. I meant like it's it's well. See, my other thing I was going to use there is nasty, and that's probably not nasty. Is a better one. At the end of the day, Colts defense is really good, potentially an opportunity. But anyway, as you were, Brent. Listen, it's really good. I think they got to look at that organization. Ballard's done a nice job. Reich, McDaniel's left them at the or- altar. They still got Reich in there. What's working inside the Indy organization? I think you look at the Buffalo Bills, what they've done with McDermott, with with Bean, done a great job. Like, why is that working? Try to follow that model. Uh, you know, you mentioned Quinn. We just talked about him. I tweeted out they have a pretty good record together, Quinn and Dimitrov. By the way, that steals from the New England model. Dimitrov's that guy. I really spent a lot of time in Atlanta, of course. I went to a Super Bowl. Quinn, I told you this uh, before the break. I, I talked to somebody yesterday. They're really high on Quinn. They're like, they should give him a shot because the players love him. And this is a guy that's been around the NFL for a long time. Says the players will go through the wall for him. And so... Uh, Take that how you want. Now, somebody on Twitter just said something, and I, I, I actually agree with him here. It's like, do we really want that defense back, like that scheme, you know, the Gus Bradley scheme, the Todd Wash scheme, the Dan Quinn scheme? I, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And, and, listen, I'm not advocating for Quinn. I'm just telling you what I heard. And, and uh, so Quinn's an interesting one. He's doing a great job with Dallas's defense. Would you take Dallas's defense, people? I don't care what scheme it is. Would you take Dallas's defense? <laughs> you know, that's Twice what I would Sunday. say. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and the records really aren't too, too bad. So it's it's uh, pretty interesting there. All right, let's go. Jim Caldwell, we like, or I like. No, we uh, do. Yeah, we Peterson, do. we, we like. like. Makes sense. Uh, Quinn is the second-year guy. That's why we brought his name up. Uh, makes some sense, but not as much to me, because I think it's a little too fresh, his failures in Atlanta. That was just a couple of years ago. And I don't see a development of the quarterback. Like, really, you can make the case that Matthew Ryan just kind of got he kind of plateaued under Dan Quinn, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'd be a little concerned about that. Now let's go to the other guys. And now we're talking about first-year possibilities. And what's interesting about this list, no B enemy, no McDaniels. Right. 
Well, they already interviewed Bienemy last year, from my understanding. They interviewed McDaniels back in 2017. Have they essentially said, hey, listen, we don't like those guys. We're not bringing them in. We don't think they're the right fit. We've already interviewed I mean, from the outside, it, it looks that way. I mean, I think that's an interesting play to make on McDaniels. I mean, obviously, if you don't think he's going to come, you know, that is what it is. But from the outside looking in, yeah, I think the ship might have sailed on those two candidates. Uh, I think I don't mind them what they're doing with McDaniels, by the way, because the McDaniels situation makes you nervous. The McDaniels situation sets you up for a possible embarrassment. The McDaniels situation could turn on its head and fail. He's done that before in Indy. And is no slam dunk he's that good of a coach he's just going to come in here and win Super Bowls. It's not worth the risk, potentially. And so I get what they're doing there. And, and again, the word we got is that McDaniels wanted to blow this thing up after the 16th season and 17 hiring process. And if he had did that, the Jazz would never have gone to the AFC Championship game. If I'm Shad Khan, if I'm the ownership group, if I'm the, the people doing the interviews, and I remember McDaniels saying that, I'm like, okay, I don't really like this guy's judgment. You know, I mean, he said to blow it up. We went to the AFC Championship game. He was dead wrong. Yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, we they did go to the AFC Championship game. That's fair, but he might not have been dead wrong. He might not have been dead wrong from a long-term perspective, and he might have been just more talking about the quarterback situation right. with Blake Bortles, and people were unwilling to do that. So, again, I don't know what those conversations were like, but just on a bullet point, um, you know, conversation i would say i get why they were there would be a little angst sure in, in hiring mcdaniel so he's not on the list all right uh leftwich leftwich is a guy that makes a lot of sense leftwich is a guy that probably would take any opportunity leftwich is a guy that i have said i don't mind but it's risky and there's no need to do the risk because of these second year or second go-around guys that are out there um, I think he'd be intriguing, man. I think uh, he has worked with some quarterbacks. I think he's worked with some good organizations. I think his track record's pretty good. Uh, I, I, I could see Leftwich working out and being a good coach. I really could. Like, I, I wouldn't hate it. The reason why I wouldn't love it is just because of what else is out there, and I think it's too risky for this organization at this moment. But uh, Leftwich does intrigue me, and I'll say what I've said for a few weeks now. Leftwich did not have a great experience in Jacksonville. I wasn't around during that time. But he wasn't beloved in Jacksonville. This, this city, from what I hear, didn't put, his friend, put, his, put their arms around him. How does that make Leftwich feel about Jacksonville, or is he willing to go anywhere to be a head coach? Yeah, I mean, that's a fair, fair assessment. I don't know. I think, to your point, I think it's too risky. And it, if, if you're looking boom or bust, that's a fair point. But I don't know how, if you're Shad Khan at this point, you can sit here and think boom or bust is the way to go. You have to make the safe move, and this is absolutely not a safe move. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, but I think you're going to run into that on this entire list now after the three guys that have already done it before. Um, and, and one thing about, the, you know, a lot of people are saying, hey, get the guys back in here that know about the organization, that have pride for you. And you know what? There are a lot of people, like from Baselli to Jimmy Smith to, uh, you know, Keenan McCardell. There are those folks out there. But I'm not sure I'm putting Byron Leftwich in that category. Again, I, I don't I think he, like, loved his time here. I, that's my perception of his time. That doesn't mean he wouldn't come back and be the head coach. But it's not like if you're reaching for that, like, get somebody that knows and is passionate and wants this team to succeed and this franchise to succeed and gets, you know, the fan base and everything. I don't think that's what you're getting necessarily in Left, Leftwich just because he played here. Uh, I think it's a totally different animal. All right, keep going. Uh, Tell him uh, more. Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is interesting. You know, somebody brought up 
again, I was, I've had a lot of conversations the last few days, uh, so I'm kind of talking to myself here. And somebody like Kellen Moore that I talked to, again, these are people that, that know the NFL, right? These aren't just like, hey, buddies. <laughs> you know, they, they know the NFL, and, and they are familiar with, you know, some of the names out there. And uh, Kellen Moore is interesting. I, I just, I feel like Kellen Moore and Hackett are similar in the sense that I'm not sure they're ready for this yet. Like, I feel like they're still a little green. Now, what he's done with Dak Prescott now and with that offense is pretty good, but how many people could do that with that offense? They got weapons everywhere. Yeah. I I mean, I agree with that, and I didn't, like, love the Kellen Moore situation until I started, like, looking into it. But, look, Dak Prescott wasn't a high draft pick, as you remember. He, Tony Romo and all that. But he's a quality quarterback now. He's been working with Kellen Moore since 2018. There has to at least be some an intrigue there at a minimum. Granted, Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be thrown to Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, which I guess he could be, and CeeDee Lamb. But I think what he's done with Dak has to – that weighs more with me than it does Byron Leftwich with Tom Brady. Yeah, that's fair. Like, what has Leftwich really taught Tom Brady? Yeah, that's good. Well, listen, but what has Brady taught Leftwich is a fair question, too. That, that, right? yeah. yeah. You know, if you're going to look at it that way, I think it's easy to ask the other way around, too, and, and like it. Uh, so, I listen – I'm not opposed to Kellen Moore. He's going to have to blow me away. Uh, I think, by the way, this Dallas offense is kind of inconsistent at times. They don't know what the heck they want to do in the running game. And they have all that talent. So there's not like, they're not Kansas City's offense, you know. Uh, They've been up and down and and maybe a little underachieving even at times. Uh, Todd Bowles. Uh, another good man, and, and this guy, they say, is he deserves another opportunity. He's in a tough spot in New York. Um, don't hate it. Just don't love the defensive guys, if I'm being honest, and I'm going to put Everflus in this situation, too. I don't. Defensive guys sometimes are the best coaches in the long run. They really are. I think they help set the culture and the tone and all of that better than the offensive guys. I just don't know if I'm going to get too excited about the defensive guys when you have this much offensive, this many offensive names and what they've done in their resumes, and you've got a franchise quarterback sitting here in Jacksonville. It's fair. Todd Bowles would be a second go-around guy, right? Because Jets. Be. That's another one. It's a good point. We, we leave him out of the equation on that. Yeah. Uh, Bowles, by the way, people be- just love him around the NFL, too. So, again, you've got a guy that I, I don't have a huge feel for Bowles. I know he's a good guy. I think people think he can do well in his second go-around and really be a star. Uh, I wonder I, how much credit, like, with Todd Bowles, for example – how much credit do we give him for coaching good players? Or you see what I'm saying there? Like the Tampa defense is really good. Yeah. Like how much credit do we give him for coaching good players? How much is he making them better? And as far as we know, maybe he's making them a lot better. You know what I mean? It, like it's even the same way with like Dallas, like we just did with Kellen Moore. Or even Leftwich. Like he's, they're coaching good players. How much are they making them better? How much are they not making them better? I guess that's what you're going to find out when you hire one of these guys. But I do, I do start to wonder that. Yeah, I think it's fair curiosity. I think that's what needs to be, you know, people got to dig in on that stuff, and that's why they're a little riskier than than the guy that have done it before. Bowles, uh, what did he go? He did it back in Arizona too, right? That's where he was way back, if I'm not mistaken, uh, before the Jets. And so, um, you know, and we'll throw Leslie Frazier in here. You know what's interesting about Frazier? Frazier to me, I feel like we need, I don't know if we need a big personality in Jacksonville. But we need, like, this alpha. That's for sure. You know? And it's weird because I wouldn't sit here and tell you, like, Jim Caldwell's like an alpha. But I think just his presence, it makes you command such a respect. 
Frazier, I think, again, I think he's a good man. I think he's a good coach. I don't know if I, it just doesn't exude that to me. You know, and, and again, this is super outside looking in. And, and I'm just telling you, that's why I wouldn't be that excited about it. But if I sat in a room with him, I might feel different. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. We don't get a chance to do that with, how much, with these guys. How much pain are you going to feel if they hire Leslie Frazier, who was a defensive back and a defensive backs coach? And it's like, well, if only we had Jalen. Like, that would have been the draw. You know what I mean? For him, that would have been the draw. And now you have Tyson Campbell, obviously, and you have some young, promising defensive backs. But I, I, I'm at least sitting here thinking, what if, how much better could Jalen have been under his coaching? Yeah, well, maybe. I, I mean, he's so good. I'm not sure a coach is going to make a difference that much. I, I get what you're saying. Well, he might still be on the team, I guess, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, you know, if you could think of the worst-case scenario for the Jags. <laughs> okay. In my opinion, All right. like if you didn't want to sell another ticket, okay, like worst case scenario is they get Frazier and keep Bulky because there's no like like a defensive coach type thing. Like there's no no buzz. There's no yeah no buzz. That's the word. Yeah, and but but like I mean that's about as blah as you can get and maybe bad as you can get. Potentially, for sure. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't do anything for me. I don't think. I don't think there'll be a wall that tells it all, uh, with the Leslie Frazier face on it. I know there's been some wall that tells it all on the uh, coaching hires before, but um, yeah, that doesn't really uh, doesn't really uh, give me any buzz worthy. I don't think Twitter will be a buzz like it is today. Yeah, I, I, I just think that that's to me. If you ask, like, you could hire Quinn, right? And I can make a case for you. You could hire uh, Bowles, who people do say actually is going to. They think he can be a star. You could Everflus. I just don't know enough about him, even though he's done a nice job. But so some new blood in there. Okay, Caldwell, Peterson, um, uh, Kellen Moore. Okay, Leftwich. Uh, it, it doesn't look like the enemy and, and stuffs in there. Uh, Bevel, of course, would be a bad one. Maybe that's the only way it's worse, right? If Bevel's Bevel, the yeah. guy. And, and he hasn't earned it either. So when we're talking about guys who haven't earned anything, like why has Trent Baalke earned the GM job? I have no idea other than he's in the building. I guess Bevel would fit the same thing. So um, Someone on YouTube, by the way, says, worst move would be bring back the Gus bus. By the way, I don't think it would be. I mean, no, I mean, uh, this is. I'm not going to go to the wall and advocate here for Gus. I'm just saying, I, I think Gus on a second go around would, is is more intriguing to me than than Leslie Frazier is. But uh, Frazier, people think, would be a better coach. So uh, again, I'm talking from a worse. Well, okay, you're right. Probably Gus would be worse. It, people would just absolutely hammer that move. So yeah, he uh, is interviewing for the Raiders job, for what it's worth. Obviously, he's yeah. coached there, but uh, so I don't know. Yeah. So if we're if we're sitting here doing worst case scenario. It, 523 well, on a Wednesday, I mean, well, or Tuesday. I, mean, I don't know listen, what day it is. After we got off the air last night and, and it, got the yeah. news of, of Trent Baalke, I think we have to go down that road. Yeah. Isn't I that mean, tough. it's like, what, what, we have the blinders on here, or what? Uh, it just doesn't make sense. Let's get Paul on the line. I know he's been hanging around before we break. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's happening, man? Yeah, just to follow up, I think the worst case scenario is any of these coaches pairing up with Trent Baalke. I just, I don't see it working out at all. Uh, but to get back to your earlier point, I'm fine with Dan Quinn and Dimitrov. I think Dimitrov, uh, he gets a little of a bad rap because he couldn't take a very good team and consistently keep them at that peak. But for where we are, like a rebuilding team, I think he's fine. And you pair him with a guy like Dan Quinn. And I was watching a Fox pregame show and it's, they were just talking about like how much emphasis Quinn puts on like turnovers. And 
that's the biggest issue with this defense right now. They can't generate turnovers. And uh, I'm not sure where this came from, but I heard, like, Quinn might be interested, like, in a Shanahan-like offensive coach to be a coordinator. So I'm I'm actually fine with that Dan Quinn and Dimitrov pairing. Uh, but first things first, I mean, Trent's got to go. That's, like, priority number one. Thanks. I'll take my call off the air. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Listen, man. Uh, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Phone lines always open, 904-362-9901. Listen, I I think there are worse. I I say this. If you had told me Quinn last week, I would have been like, really? Nah. I mean, I know he's doing a good job with with Dallas' defense, but they've got some really good personnel. But now, after talking to some people over the weekend, like, hey, you know what? That might not be the worst thing in the world. I think the kind of intriguing, actually. Like, Dimitrov had some good years. The, the Jags love, Shotcon loves the Patriots organization and leaning on what they've done in the past. Uh, I, I think, like, Dimitrov's interesting from what I had said earlier in the show, an executive vice president overseer type of role or even a GM role that's done it before. Again, like... Give me Thomas Dimitrov over Trent Baalke, like, every Yesterday. day of the weekend, twice on Sundays. There we go. Right? I mean, give me Dorsey. Yeah. Give me Pioli. Give Austin me Lane. Tannenbaum. Anyone? Oh, no. Nah, Tannenbaum might be stretching it. Hey, you know what? Here's the thing. I don't I know. I like Mike Tannenbaum, man. He said he that me, thing about Devontae did, Adams. So I, I was hype. Yeah, I mean, he got me all fired up last week, so I kind of liked him. By the way, Lewis Riddick last night... Uh, had I almost tweeted it, uh, he said, because Javon Holland, uh, safety for the Dolphins, Jags had, I think, three chances to pick him, or maybe it was just two, but nevertheless. Uh, or technically three with Trevor, but obviously, anyway, not important. He said, I love this guy. I, I love everything he does. I loved him before the draft. And I was like, maybe we should have hired this guy. Because Javon <laughs> Holland's pretty good, and he's a guy I wanted here. So uh, I'm back in on Lewis Riddick for a three-second comment he made on Monday Night Football. Yeah, people like, here's the thing, people like the Riddicks of the world because they're um, visible. You know? Yeah. And, and so, and by the way, that's, that doesn't mean they'd be a bad hire either. But they are visible, and I think people like that. You know, there's something intriguing about that. They hear them all the time. The problem with that is they hear them all the time. They, they might not like all their takes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, um, anyway, this uh, <laughs> somebody just said, how could it get worse? Keep bulky and hire Adam Gase as head coach. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I forgot about Adam Gase. What's he up to? Yeah, what is he doing? Huh. Uh, at the eye doctors. Oh, God. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 here on a Tuesday. It's been a wild 24 hours once again with this Jaguars franchise. There's been a lot of ups and downs and, you know, all, all of our records and, and, and rings of, of championships and bowl wins, you know, they might all say wins, um, but, you know, myself and, you know, teammates and others around us in the program, you know, we've had downs too, um, but it's just been a journey and, and Coach Fick has, has always talked about um, trusting the journey and trusting the process and that's exactly what it's been for myself and a lot of my teammates, so um, I've had a great experience over, over my five years here um, and I'm just hoping we can seal it off with, you know, one of the, the best experiences there is. This is going to be a tester, Brent. Yeah, that is going to be a tester. Coach, what do you say, Coach who? I, I think that will give it away, but I'll tell you he said Coach Fick. That's what I thought he said. Didn't help? It's probably shortened of the coach's actual name. Oh, somebody from Cincinnati then, yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah, Desmond Ritter. That was Ritter, okay. Wanted to work that uh, in, Desmond Ritter sound here in Jacksonville. Good. Do you think Cincinnati has any chance in that game? No. 
I mean, and can we stop with Alabama playing the underdog card? I mean, just stop. Shut up, Alabama. Who? Let them know. No, seriously. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're playing Cincinnati. Yeah, that's true. I, look, I don't think there's any chance Cincinnati wins, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to watch. Like, I'm, I'm happy that Cincinnati got in. I wanted Cincinnati to get in. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't necessarily wanting them to play Alabama because, you know, that's, you know, a no-win scenario. But at the end of the day, I'll watch the game. Good for Cincinnati. Hopefully they don't get blown out. But let me tell you something. If they do win, holy crap. That's all I got to say on that. It would be unbelievable. I mean, but I, like I saw, so I think it was. It was Will Anderson. It was Will Anderson. I was like, well, hey, listen, we get it. We've been around sports. you got to play that card sometimes. You can play it internally. But are we really playing that publicly? You're playing Cincinnati. As the, the number one team ever in the nation. group of five team. You're Alabama. You're Alabama. Alabama. There you go. As Forrest once said. There you go. Uh, the, I mean, what are we doing here? Like, why would you even insult your own program in school to say we're an underdog and we're disrespectful. Hey, whatever gets you up in the morning, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that, that's an insult to your own program. Yeah, like, exactly. heck yeah, we're not going to, we're not even acknowledging that is the way I would say it. They're not even acknowledging disrespect. Yeah, whatever. We know who we are. And now we got to go take care of business. We're not yeah. going to guarantee a win. You don't have to talk trash. But let's stop with that bull that you're uh, an underdog and disrespected. You just wallop Georgia to win the SEC championship game. Yeah. You know what? Through the year, you didn't really earn a lot of respect, quite frankly. Mm -mm. You didn't play that well. Oh, my. Should have lost to Auburn. Should have. Should have had two losses and been out of this thing. Man, I did not think the Desmond Ritter sound was going to spike up mad Brent Martineau from last night, but now he's mad again. It's like, like uh, can the New England Patriots play the disrespect card? Not really, especially I mean, not this week. There's there's no organization in sports that's more respected than the New England Patriots the last 20 years. There's no organization or college football program that's more respected the last 15 years than Alabama. Yep. And fair. so people know who Alabama is. They sure as hell respect them. They might not be the best edition of Alabama ever. But again, you're not going back. You know, if you wanted to play Georgia again, or if you were even playing Michigan, you wanted to play this card, that's one thing. But don't play this card playing since a freaking Addy. There you I go. mean, it's unbelievable. Huh. Well, on the other side, well, I guess we'll do this now. Stetson Bennett likely to start for Georgia. Surprised or not? Yeah, you know what? I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But I do think it's a... I got a real good feeling we're going to look back at Kirby over the years if they don't win this thing with Stetson and and continue to say he just pushed the wrong buttons at the QB position. I think 9 out of 10 people would say JT Daniels has a better ceiling and upside for your offense than Stetson Bennett. Sure. I would agree. That's what I think. Stetson Bennett has been a nice story. He's played fantastic. And by the way, he was not the reason you lost the SEC title game. Your defense got torn to pieces yeah. by Alabama. Mm-hmm. So I don't think either guy was winning. But I also, it's like, it's just really hard if you're not around it. Like, I don't, the health-wise is no longer an issue, I would think, with JT. It can't be. Uh, maybe Stetson just rallies the room better and people play better for him and harder for him. Like, that's really a hard thing to gauge. 
but I'm just sitting here saying if you want to be the best addition of yourself and you take the best of everybody on your roster that you're rolling out there, I'm probably signing up for JT Daniels to try to hit that ceiling and that best game to win a national title than I am Stetson Bennett. Yeah, and I, I don't I don't understand how Kirby Smart continues to get recruits and do things like play Jake Fromm over Justin Fields and Jake Eason. That didn't work. And then you're going to do it again after you get JT Daniels to come to you as a transfer, five-star transfer, and you're going to play Stetson Bennett the fourth or fifth. I don't, I don't know Roman numerals, but the point of the story is I don't understand how Kirby keeps doing this, and he keeps, like, losing big-time games because of it. So until he figures that out, I guess they're going to keep losing. But when I saw that Stetson Bennett was likely still to play, it blew my mind. Well, here's the thing about it. I, I have a tough time with this because, one, I, I can appreciate what Kirby's doing. Kirby's being pretty loyal to the guy that's been in the program, right? The guy that's, that's done a lot of good things. The guy that really kept this thing together this year when JT Daniels got hurt. I mean, what's the loyalty to JT Daniels? I mean, thanks for coming over, man, but you're a USC guy, and, yeah, okay, JT Daniels has been around a little bit, but... There's way more loyalty to Stetson Bennett. He's a Georgia kid. And what he's been through and evolved into and, and, and you coached him up. Like, I can see that. It was a lot like, that. what did Fromm do to lose the job? Nothing. Even if you thought Jay, even if you thought Justin Fields was better, which it turns out in hindsight they might have won the national title or they could have won another title or, or uh, made another run because they could have kept him on campus. Like, I have a hard time justifying my beliefs of college football and, and the negativity of it where it, you're just using these kids and then you turn around and you get a guy like Kirby Smart who says, hey, we're sticking with the guy who's been loyal to us and we're going to be loyal to him. And he's a good player. Like Jake Fromm was a good player. Yeah, maybe Justin Fields was a little bit better, but Jake Fromm was really good, you know. Look at his career. It was pretty damn good. And JT, uh, I mean, Stetson, Daniel, Stetson Bennett has been pretty good too. He's been good for them. He's performed pretty well. Yeah, so I, I guess I, I just wrestle with that. Yeah, I think we could look back on it and say made the wrong choice. But I think there's plenty of evidence to play that guy, too. And I think there was plenty of evidence to play from in real time. I think you look back on it and you say, well, we could have kept Justin Fields and you should have played him. And Yeah, but I, I think the evidence was there that Fromm had done a freaking good job for them. You know? Yeah, I mean, but I, I hear what you're saying, but Jacob Eason was fine as a freshman. He was showing he was good. He got hurt as a sophomore. He put in Jake Fromm and never went back to him. Well, that's true. And, and you know, now I don't, again, the conversations there, did uh, Eason end up going back home? Did he have opportunity to do that? Did he not mind that? Was he going to have to fight for that job? Absolutely he was going to. Uh, so I guess he's played it a little bit two different ways. And um, listen, do I think, here's the deal. The thing that he didn't do right with Justin Fields is that Fields didn't stay because he didn't play. It's not that Fields would have outperformed from that year, but he didn't yeah. stay because he didn't play. Uh, yeah. So it was more like he didn't look ahead. In this situation, what I think you got to ask yourself, okay, Stetson Bennett, JT Daniels, how much separation is there? And while I would say I think JT Daniels is the better option to win a national title, I'm not 100% convinced that there's a lot of separation between the two. Has, has JT Daniels showed us that? I mean, he really has been a bit of a disappointment in his collegiate career, hasn't he? Yes, yes, absolutely. When you're a five-star and not highly regarded, yes. So uh, so anyway, that I think there's 
again, you got to treat this in real time. Kirby doesn't have the luxury of going back in time, uh, even though we'll criticize him if it doesn't work out well. That's just the nature of it. So uh, I think in real time, like, I get why he's playing Stetson Bennett. Um, I, I just feel like if I had the choice between the two, I think I would play Daniels because I think the ceiling is higher. But you also run the risk of Daniels hasn't played in, what, two and a half months? Yeah, now it's been a while. I, so It's just, you look at their, I won't say biggest rival, because that's Florida, but biggest competitor, and Nick Saban made the move to Tua when Jalen Hurts was fine. You know what I mean? So, like, you see Nick Saban make, the, like, Mac Jones over Bryce Young last year. Nobody thought that was going to happen. Nick Saban's pressing all the right buttons at the quarterback position, and it seems like when Kirby Smart has the opportunity to push a button, he chooses the wrong one. Yeah. Well, he, he chooses, he's pushed a lot of right buttons, too, though. We just remember the wrong one to get well, to the, yeah. the promised land. And, and, and that's fair. He's got to wear that. Uh, and if he doesn't do it this year, he'd push more, more of the wrong buttons because they had the team to do it, and the, it was set up perfectly. They could have ousted Alabama. They could have played Cincinnati. They could have played the winner of Notre Dame, Michigan. I mean, it was lined up, and they blew it. They did. Like, they, they might not win the national title. And if they don't win the national title, I believe it's because of what happened in the SEC championship game. 100%. All right, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Let's put a bow on the show. It's been a wild day. Um, I think it's been, like, a, an historic day on, like, Jaguars Twitter. Yeah. I mean, my timeline is full of these emojis, and it just won't stop. It really won't. By the way, Matt Flynn had a good tweet. Did you see that? Who did? Matt Flynn. Do you remember him? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I remember Matt Flynn. Did you see the tweet? No. I'll tell you about it when we come back. All right. We'll get to it uh, when we come back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. I mean, at the end of the day, is today like National Emoji Day That's in Jacksonville? Call. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly up there. And, you know, there's been some emojis that's gone through uh, Jack's Twitter before. But this is, um, this is new, you know. This is a heck of a campaign. It's, it's different. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things where... When Brent Martineau got into the uh, sports media business, I don't think he saw this one coming. I did not. Yeah. Um, the, you know, if you're, if you're listening in your car, if you're not a social media person, what's, just to tell you what's happened, here's, what's happened is there's been this just movement over the last 24 hours once the word that bulky was going to be retained. And, uh, from people in the media uh, to more loudly than I've ever seen before, by the way, from people in the media to people on social media. And uh, Jags Twitter has a great following, you know, Bold City Brigade. I mean, uh, a, a lot of those folks are so passionate and, and many others. And so they turned basically a clown emoji into what's that thing called? Their avatar? Uh, yeah, profile picture, yeah. Profile picture. Um, with a mustache on it. And so they're obviously poking fun at the Jags and, and the organization. And uh, they had shot Khan. Now, they have tried to get me to do, use that in mine as well, my profile pic. That is not happening. No. Uh, that is not. Uh, I don't feel like the emoji is very professional 
um, and we try to be a professional outfit. Uh, I think it is kind of amazing that so many have adopted it to almost make a movement out of it. And it's, I, what, here's how you have to view it. You can view it a few different ways if you're the Jags. You view it like, I can't believe these people, blah, 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 and you get mad at it. Or you can view this as, damn, our fan base is passionate. It's a good call. You know, our fan base wants to win. Our fan base will do anything to to help us win. We'll voice their opinion. We'll, they, they're not going to sign up for, for some things. They're going to sign up for other things. Like, that's part of being a fan base. That's part of the passion that, that lies in. And I think what happened today and in the last 24 hours is that passion was just, boom, exploded. And uh, I think it's... The, the crazy thing about it is I don't think everybody's that far off in alignment from organization to media to fans. I think we just have different ways of doing it. We get three hours a day to do it. We have social media platforms that we can say what we think, and we did last night and into today, and we spend a lot of the show talking about mm-hmm. we don't think this is the right move. Uh, I don't think this is the right move. And, and by the way, I... I not that they are listening to me and paying attention to me. I just kind of evaluate myself sometimes, and I'm not a guy that would be over the top about a move they made very often. I'm usually very supportive, and let's see how it works, right? I mean, uh, famously I've said and been criticized for let it play out and see how it works. Right. Uh, and, and been criticized about that. That's not the case here. Like, I am jumping on this one before it ever happened weeks ago and, and, and with this news last night. And I think it's a ridiculous play by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I really do. I think it's a dangerous play. I think it's a bad play. I think it makes no sense. I think it sets the organization back, and it's not going to work. Uh, so I have that outlet to be able to say it. Uh, meanwhile, the, the organization has a right to listen to any or all, and the fans kind of have a fun way to do it, and sometimes they just don't hold back. And this is what them? they decided to do. And, and they've been through a lot. But I think uh, the bottom line is, the, the crazy thing is we're all aligned with passion of we want to see this team get it right. And I feel I felt like in the last 24 hours there were people that were finally like, you know what, if they're not going to figure it out, we're going to help them figure it out. There we go. Team effort. And, again, I don't know if it's going to resonate. I know it's being heard. And I don't know where what happens from here on out. But I think it's a pretty wild 24 hours or so in Jacksonville, and it speaks to the passion of the fan base more than anything. That's the beauty uh, of life, Brent. We get yeah. another day to figure it out tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, and I do think it's important just to put a bow on this. That the Jags have not come out and said anything. They have not confirmed it. And so we don't know if it's actually happening. Could it be an erroneous report? Could it be somebody leaked something out prematurely? It could be. Um, listen, I think Ian Rapport's very good. So... Uh, I, I think he probably has the right information. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be long-lasting information. <laughs> I'll say what I've said in the show. I still don't believe, and I might be in denial, but I don't believe Trent Baalke's going to be the GM in 2022 for this franchise. I don't. I could be dead wrong. I could be in denial. I don't believe it's going to happen. We asked Tony Khan about it. You can go listen to his answer. 
uh, and what else he had to say about the football team and about AEW. It's on our podcast, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Subscribe to that. Go back and listen to our interview. Go back and listen to our show if you missed any of it. We'll be back at it tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Uh, for Casey Kurtz, I'm Brent Martineau from Jacksonville to Columbus, Ohio. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Back at it tomorrow at 3 p.m. Have a good night, everybody. Practice your emojis.